I've had the privilege of being in and around banking for more than 50 years. Lots of changes during that time. We've gone from ledgers to laptops, typewriters to technology. One thing, however, remains the same. Banking is a people business, and I'll be talking with those people that make banking great here on Jack Rats with Modern Bankers. Welcome to Jack Rants with Modern Bankers, brought to you by RELPRO and Vertical IQ. Each week I feature top voices in financial services, from bankers and consultants to best-selling authors and many more. The goal of this program is simple, to provide insights, success practices, and to bring new ideas to the table that you can use to maximize your results. In my opinion, my guest today is the most thoughtful sales consultant on the planet. It's Anthony Inarino, the author of five best-selling books, including Eat Their Lunch, Elite Sales Strategies, and Leading Growth. Anthony's life is an amazing journey of resilience, and you're going to hear about that throughout the program. Anthony earned a BA and a JD from Capital University and degreed at the Harvard Business School in the OPM program focused on sales and marketing. Anthony is a much requested, often requested keynote speaker, and he's the co-creator of Outbound, which is one of the nation's top sales conferences. Anthony has written a post in his The Sales Blog Daily since 2007, except for two weeks, and he'll explain why today. Our main point of discussion is Anthony's new book, and it is an amazing one. It's called The Negativity Fast. I'm thrilled and honored to welcome Anthony Inarino to Jack Rants with Modern Bankers. Here we go. So, as I mentioned, I, this is this is the privilege of a lifetime to, to get to talk to Anthony Inarino. I mean, it, it, any consultant you talk to and you say, what book should I be reading? Anthony's name and, and all of his wonderful books come up. Thank you for this time, Anthony. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me on. I, I love doing this with you. So here we are in early 2024, uh, 2023 behind us, lots of good things and challenging things there. But as you know, I always like to start out the program with uh, with with one question. Tell me something good. What's going on in your life that's good? I don't, well, the, the way that I would describe this now is that once you know that a life is about 4,108 weeks on average, and the reason that the number is that and not a higher number is uh, simply because of suicide and fentanyl. Uh, those are two things that are actually lowering that line. So most of us will live longer than that 4,000 because we're not going to have either of those two things happen. Um, I think what's good uh, right now is that people are starting to take mental health a lot more seriously. And uh, I think that there's been a very long time, you know, because I wrote the book on uh, the negativity fast. Uh, these things should have been taught to children by the time they're in seventh or eighth grade. So all these practical strategies that you can do, uh, it's starting to get attention now. And uh, I've seen um, some schools are now doing mindfulness practices and things like that to uh, reduce stress and anxiety and negativity. And I think it's a really good direction that we're going. And if we can keep going that way, it'll be uh, better for people far into the future. Good. I, ho I hope you're right. And I hope schools will will listen and uh, take you up on your idea of adding that 
very important subject to the curriculum. And I also think it's incumbent upon parents to be talking to their kids about things like that. And we'll, we'll certainly get into this. But as I mentioned in the introduction, uh, you are the most thoughtful sales consultant I know. Uh, you you write thoughtfully. You are a thinking person. You know, just put stuff out there. And a lot of stuff is based on research. And so I want to divert a little bit from the book and talk about sales in 2024. What do you see in your crystal ball, Anthony? What's working? What's not? I'm I'm praying. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm just uh, I'm praying. I'm hoping something changes, but I don't think it will. Um, a few days ago, I wrote a post called The Canceling of the Consultative Mind. Uh, that's, you might know the book, uh, The Canceling of the American Mind and those sort of things about college mostly. But I turned that into something that I think is important for us. Um, we're not teaching people how to be consultative. We're just not doing that. What we're doing is we're transacting. So that's a problem. Um, we have a lack of training and we have a lack of consultative strategies, even though they exist, but they're not being taught, they're not being developed, and they're they're not being uh, forced to have a better conversation with clients. Uh, that's terrible. Uh, we've got a terrible erosion in uh, research and reading. And so I'm very, very unhappy about what I see because what we live in right now is post-literate society. So we now look at TikTok for an education. I mean, if you want to learn how to dance, great. Um, and if you want to get attention, uh, you can do that. But salespeople should really be studying the industries that they're they're trying to help. They should be trying to understand what kind of headwinds they have right now and what kind of help are they going to need. But I don't see very much of that happening at all. Mostly it's just get a meeting, transact, move on to the next thing. Um, I'm very, very unhappy about people asking their teams to have 400% of their quota in their pipeline. I think if you can't convert at 50%, uh, then you should worry about getting better at as a salesperson before you ever start creating opportunities that you have no intention of even winning. I think those are, are terrible. We are now more, we're going back to being more supplier centric and the future of B2B sales in my view, and I'll tell you uh, my view of this and why, uh, the demographics in America are abysmal. Uh, you need 2.21 babies for every woman that has a baby and we're at 1.6. Mm -hmm. So we don't even have a replacement rate. So as the baby boomers, go into retirement, uh, that'll be in 2030, there'll be 1 million still working. Uh, there's going to be, throughout the entire world, uh, depression of demand. So that that's what's coming. When you have 80 million people leave the workforce and start to retire and then start to leave the planet, uh, there will be less demand. And that means that we will need less sales organizations and we'll need fewer, better salespeople. So I'm I'm trying to make this very, very clear to people. There will be a time where there will not be this need for this many salespeople. Um, and it's a good thing because not a lot of people want to get into sales. But even more important, 
the skills that people need to be consultative in a time where everything is uncertain uh, means that you have to be a different kind of salesperson. So that's what I spend all my time focused on. How do I get them to a place where they will be the salesperson of the future, the one that can create certainty and can be consultative and can give people the confidence to move forward with their business. So that's what I see. And you do have an excellent training program that people can go to. And we'll talk about how to get to that later on in the program. I'm curious about your take on the whole idea. You mentioned 400% in the pipeline. That just smacks of sales management and sales leadership to me. Yeah. I, I also see, and I don't know if you're seeing this, a real lack of sales leadership from a behavioral perspective. What are, What's your take on that? When I hear sales leaders say uh, training doesn't work, uh, what that means is that the sales managers are not working with their team to create the behavioral changes that would cause them to improve their win rates. And so I think that a lot of this is we want all this coverage because it makes us feel like we have a chance. But the the truth of the matter is, is this is just you're you're treating a pipeline like a lottery ticket. So more tickets mean I have a greater chance of winning the mega millions, right? So it doesn't work that way. Uh, this is not a number game. I know that a lot of people think it's a numbers game. It is not a numbers game. If you want to know the number that you need to care about, the number is your win rate. So what percent do you win? That is the number. The rest of this is all effectiveness. So you don't have to worry about getting more. You need to be more effective with the opportunities that you do create. And I think that we have this entirely backwards and we should be focusing very heavily on win rates and a lot less on how many opportunities that we put into the pipeline. Yeah, I've always said, you know, if you if you hold out your two hands, what here's what bankers measure number of calls made, and I've never seen any statistic that would tell you the more calls you make, the more sales you're going to make. That's your lottery ticket example. And the sales you make. In between here are all kinds of coaching moments, coaching opportunities. And we need to think, do things like the math of selling. How many prospects do we get to talk to us? Do we get second appointments with, et cetera? And then your win rate is really important as well. Well, I, I appreciate your comments on sales, but but I want to take this in a different direction because you did. You wrote great books like Eat Their Lunch and Elite Sales Strategies. This is a very different book. Yeah. Uh, the Negativity Fast is just out for just a few weeks. Talk about the inspiration for this book and why you went this direction uh, instead of another sales book. Um, I, I don't talk a lot about me, but I, I will just here. So, you you know, I come from uh, a broken family. So my dad's father left him a uh, single mom. Uh, my mom's mom raised five kids by herself, a single mom. Uh, my dad left when I was probably six, uh, something like that. And at some point, at about 12 years old, I, I I would say I liberated myself and I decided I was going to do whatever I wanted to do with my life because there wasn't anybody to stop me from doing um, things that I would not be proud to talk about. But I'm a street kid for the most part.
Made by bankers for bankers, Vertical IQ is your trusted source for reliable, convenient, and focused industry intelligence, helping your team save time, boost sales, and gain a competitive edge. Learn more at verticaliq.com. And then I'm a street kid that happened to get a lot of education, which was really good for me. Um, and what I will tell you is that after I had a brain surgery, two brain surgeries that removed part of my right temporal lobe, um, I was angry. And I don't know if it was psychological or physiological or both of those things. I have no idea. I just knew I was angry, angry enough to like get out of the car and uh, walk across to get into a conflict with another person. Thankfully, it didn't happen. But uh, because he backed up and that, that was a good thing. So I was really angry. Over time, I went to uh, college. I didn't start college till I was 26 years old. Uh, I went through that and I was in political science and uh, English literature. Politics is uh, not a very good thing to spend your time on. And uh, I had a, a, a leader there that said to me, you should take the LSAT. And I said, uh, okay, uh, first I need to know what that is. And uh, he said, that's the law school uh, attendance, the thing. So you can get into that to get into the law school. Uh, I got a Dean's Academic Scholarship to Capital University. And I was uh, full paid everything. So I decided to go. And it was more, even more political than political science. So there's just constant arguing over politics. And at one day I sat down with one of my mentors and he said, you know, you're really angry about all this stuff, the, all this politics and geopolitics, and you can't do anything about it. You've had three children in law school. That was my wife's idea. She said, it takes a long time. Didn't take us a long time. It took us one try and another try. And I have three children. And he said, you should just give up all of this and then take care of your family. You're going to have a bigger impact on them than the government ever will. So just let it go. Worst advice you could possibly get, like, just let it go. How do you do that? What's the execution of letting it go? So I don't know. I say it in the book, let it go, but I don't know how to tell you how to do it, except just give it up and just stop. Uh, I didn't take his advice for about six months. And then six months in, I decided I need to get rid of all of the sources of negativity in my life. So it started with politics. All of that went away. I've not watched cable news since maybe 1996 or something like that. I haven't seen it. I have no, I don't know. My wife is constantly unhappy with me. She says, did you see that story? I didn't see it. And guess what? It went on without me anyway. I can't do anything about any of these things. And uh, when I tell people just give up politics, they're like, well, then how am I going to know what's going on? All the negative people are going to tell you, I promise you. <laughs> they're going to make sure you know that negative things are happening because they want to share those things with you. So I dropped everything for 30 days. I liked it so much. I did another 30 days. I liked it so much. I did it another 30 days, but I realized... I wasn't putting in positive content to replace it. And that's what I did for the, the last 30 days. And then after that, I felt so good. 
I just never went back to any of the negative sources. I just left them alone. I have no idea what's going on in politics. I'm not that interested in it. I'm interested in what I'm supposed to be doing with my 4,108 weeks, of which I have uh, 1,735 remaining if I uh, get to where I think I'm going to get to. My grandmother lived in 93, so I'm going to try to get up there. Yeah. I got I got to follow up on a question. You know, some of the things that I, because being a journalist, when I do see some of these interviews, it just bothers me because there's a there's a, a follow up question just waiting to happen, and, and interviewers don't ask it, and neither do salespeople a lot of times. You mentioned about ninety days worth of getting rid of the negativity, and about the last thirty days, you said I replaced it with something positive. What what was that? Okay, I, I can give you the list. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Every audio program by Les Brown, all of them. I, I went through all of them multiple times. Uh, Zig Ziglar, uh, um, Stephen Covey. Uh, I went through all of those people. Anthony Robbins, uh, Brian Tracy, anybody who was positive and success oriented, that's all I listened to. And I just listened to it over and over again. I mean, Stephen Covey's stuff has been so good for me. I mean, it always has been. So one of the people that uh, I would like to be more like. That's amazing. You, you've, you've been very open about revealing some things about yourself. Um, and, and I, it's just wonderful, but in the book, you, you talk a lot about family and what happened to you as a child and your wayward life as a teenager and uh, a lot of different kinds of things your brother uh, it's it's refreshing but it had to be a challenge for you to think okay i'm going to i'm going to i'm a best selling author i'm going to put all this personal stuff out there what's the reaction been to to your readers so far everybody who has given me any feedback uh, have said this is your best book I don't know how to take that. Like, what were the other ones? <laughs> <laughs> so they, they like that one. And I think it was because after writing uh, four best-selling books on sales and one on sales management, uh, I felt like I'm free to play in a different way and to have a, a different type of conversation. Since it's not for that audience, it's for a wider audience. So I, I widened the uh, aperture of what I was going to show people. Uh, and I thought that was the right thing to do with this type of book. It's, it's interesting. Well, let's dive into some of this. You talk about negativity being um, biological, psychological, mm -hmm. sociological, and people need to read the book to get the other two. But I want to talk about sociological a little bit. What Talk about that. Just when you look at how our society is, is right now, I mean, if you want to start with the politics, uh, one thing for certain, we have this divisiveness that probably is the greatest divisiveness we've had since the Civil War. I mean, we have now been, uh, according to uh, Fox News and M MSNBC, uh, we are now two tribes that are being taught and trained to hate each other. And I think it's the worst possible thing that we can do. So that's part of our society is that we have these two now warring tribes who think that somebody who has a different political opinion 
is my enemy. It can't be your enemy. I mean, it doesn't work that way. You have beliefs that are not the same as other people. And the good thing about being in America is that we're allowed to have different opinions on these things. And we really need a strong right and a strong left so that we can just try to be right in the middle as much as we can. Uh, that's being very difficult for that. So now you have the news and the news is uh, if if it bleeds, it leads, right? That's how it goes. Uh, we're never going to tell you good news. There's no good news ever on the television or on the radio, which is why I avoid both of those things. Uh, I think that the society now is so different than what it should be at this particular time. Again, I think we're regressing. Uh, when you start to have this sort of tribal hatred between people, I think that means you're going, you're devolving. <laughs> you're not evolving. You're going the other direction. And I think that that's a big thing. And because of social media and because of the media media, there's so much negativity. You're just a wash of it all the time. That's it. And, and so it's very difficult to have a good society uh, when you have uh, post-literate uh, um, society right now and this divisiveness. Those things together with what I would call the ACDC environment, which is the accelerating constant disruptive change that we have, makes it really, really difficult for people. And as a parent with young kids, um, you talk about social media, it makes it even more challenging. Your chapter, Winning, uh, Wanting and the Perils of Social Media, you talk about that in your book. It, you have young kids, fairly young kids. Um, uh, I think it would be very difficult today to be a parent in the TikTok generation. Yeah, uh, it's it's the social media thing altogether. They grew up with it and uh, it's not been good for them. I, I think that the Gen Z is going to have to uh, do something in the future to to uh, figure out who they are. So right now, uh, they're different. Uh, they're just very, very different. They grew up with all this stuff. They were super protected. I'm one of those parents that uh, I was a street kid. I was out constantly. They're inside with Xbox and Skype and uh, computers and they, they, I'm an outdoor cat. Uh, my children are indoor cats. So they, they, they are not out in the world the same way that we are. They will have to do that at some point to make a living, I think. Yeah, challenging. Um, cognitive behavioral theory. You talk about it early in the book, and then you refer to CBT quite often in the book. What is that? It's cognitive behavior, behavioral therapy. Uh, it was designed by a guy named uh, Albert Ellis, and he wrote a book about uh, anger. Uh, he was really good at anger. Uh, his, if you would watch a video of him, you would say that's not going to do very good now, just because he was a little bit on the edge, on, and he was quite, uh, let's say, I would just say a little too edgy probably for today. Uh, but what he was right about is that you are triggering yourself. And, and that's the part that people have a tough time with. He said, all you need is A, B, C. So A is the activating event. So something happens. B is your belief of what it means. And then C is the consequences on how you deal with whatever it is that was the activating event. 
So what he told people was it's not the activating event, it's your belief about it. And if you want to get rid of your anger, then what you do is you change the belief. Now, my brother, who is a, let me say this because I have to give you a, a disclaimer here. He's a comedian. Uh, he's an insult comedian. He's a dirty comedian. So I'm telling you this, not because I think that's a good thing, um, but I want you to know if you go to see my brother, I have now warned you that you should not be sensitive. But for some reason, at one time, he was sensitive about something, and it was uh, other drivers. And uh, one day he told me this guy was trying to swerve in front of him, and he looked at his face, and he realized this guy was too far away from a rest stop. Now, how did he know that? And I asked him, like, how did you know that? And he goes, because it happens to me all the time, because he has to drive all over the place. And in that moment, he felt this empathy, and he said, he rolled down the window and he yelled at the guy, go, 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 and, and let him go in front of him. And, uh, and I thought, that's a crazy story. But I just learned something from my younger brother about he changed the belief. Instead of saying, this guy's got road rage, this guy's a maniac. Instead, it was like, he needs to get out of here really fast. And I thought, you could do that on anything. Like you're at the grocery store and somebody's talking to the cashier and you want to get out of there. How do you know that that person really just needs to talk to somebody right now? And maybe they're lonely. And uh, if you don't know the research on loneliness, um, it's the same as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Uh, that's what loneliness does to people. It's the same effect on their body and their health. So that might make you change your mind about somebody having that conversation and waiting patiently while they did that. And I think these are practical strategies, pretty easy to do. You just say, she probably needs to talk to somebody, let her, let her go. Right. That, and that would be fine. But I don't think that people know that these strategies exist, which is why I wrote a book. So I can try to share that there are a lot of things that we know and uh, anything that I say in this book, I will tell you, it is cited. And uh, it's cited specifically because the claims on gratitude are so great, you can't believe them. I mean, you, you can't. You look at it and you go like, that's too many things for gratitude to do. But it does so many things that I had to cite it because I thought people would say, there's no possible way uh, that it will give you better cognitive functioning uh, it will increase your immune system. It will prevent uh, heart attacks. Uh, it will have you have better relationships with other people. I mean, the list just keeps going on and on and on. Uh, it will take inflammation out of your body. I mean, and you see these and you, you're thinking, how powerful is gratitude that it can do all of these things? It can re reduce anxiety, stress, and depression, it's just so powerful. So I decided I better cite that. And then well, my 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 editor said, uh, you should cite every claim. And so I, I cited every claim. So there must be a couple hundred uh, claims in there. But if you want to find out where I learned what I learned, you can just go find the uh, resource that I used and what I read. And uh, you'll find out that gratitude and all of these things are very well studied in science, and uh, we know how to help people with these things.
Made by bankers for bankers, Vertical IQ is your trusted source for reliable, convenient, and focused industry intelligence, helping your team save time, boost sales, and gain a competitive edge. Learn more at verticaliq.com. Yeah, there, there was a book written in 2023 by a, an amazing lady, a board chair of a bank in, in Virginia, Elizabeth Cottrell uh, is her name, and she wrote the book called Heart Spoken. And I saw her on Larry Levine's podcast, and <clears throat> the, the whole idea is writing notes to people. And it's gotten me in the habit of writing a note a day to somebody. And so a physical note, I mean, we get a lot of emails and all that, and that's fine. But getting a note in the mail, uh, and she even, she lives her message because she, when our dog, we had to put our dog down, she wrote me a note and 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 said, look, I'm so sorry, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's part of gratitude. And in the, one of my favorite chapters in the book on gratitude, uh, you talk about the three blessings. Yeah. And, an, and a gratitude journal, which sounds initially like, oh, come on, but you do it and it's it works. Talk about those two concepts. Um, when I was doing the research for this book, um, I, I asked Chat GPT to find me the citation of uh, something that Seligman had in one of his books. And I thought it was in Hope Circuit, but I thought that's where it was. And I asked GPT where... I could find that citation and it said it's on page 118. Uh, it's not. <laughs> and then I, I said, uh, maybe you're looking at the paperback and I'm looking at the hardcover. And it said it's on page 64. It's not on page 64. Uh, and then I said, uh, uh, it's not on page 64. And then it just read me a story. They wrote the story that I already explained it to them. And I couldn't find this this the uh, the citation, so I couldn't put it in the book. But I will tell you the story. There was a woman who was uh, very depressed, and what somebody recommended it might have been Seligman himself. He made her write a letter to a person that was very very important in her life, and then he sent her to go sit down with that person and read the letter out loud. At the end of that, both of them are crying. Uh, they're so emotional because of this interaction. They don't still know how long that removes depression, but it removes depression. And uh, and I really wanted to cite that, but I couldn't get it. I couldn't find it. I tried my best. It'll probably show up at some other time. But the three blessings that Seligman suggests changed what I did. I used to do the gratitude thing in the morning. But then having going back over the work of uh, Seligman, he says, do it at the end of the day. And don't, for me, I think it's better because you're going to start with your family. You're going to say the same things over and over. But when you do the three blessings, you have to find three things that went well for you this day. And you have to write those three things down uh, and uh, why they went well for you which will probably mean there's a person that had something to do with it, or at least some of them. And now the reason I think you should use a, a journal is because uh, you have negativity bias. Uh, you have an easier time finding the negative than you do finding the positive. So if you start doing it with a gratitude journal, and about a month in, let's say you do this for a month, you write it down. 
Seligman only said they had to do it two two weeks, and they would have six months. I have no idea why Zoom does that. That's very cool. <laughs> so if you go back and you look at like a month of your days, you're going to go, good things happen to me every single day. And uh, you can start beating back your negativity bias by counting all the good things that happen to you every day. And if you wanted to do five, do five. But he said three works fine. And uh, it will remove anxiety, stress, and depression for people. It, that's so simple. But we won't teach it to eighth graders um, when they need it, right? All of these things. I After I wrote this, I wish I would have done some sort of a supplement for teenagers yeah. uh, who are just just they're they're having a, you know it's tough being a teenager anyway and then you have all this negativity uh these strategies would be really good for school children well i think that's a great idea i hope you do that and i i would love to see it in uh, uh in school libraries and and be taught by teachers and by as i mentioned before by parents really important uh so we've only got a couple of more minutes um as i mentioned you're a thoughtful sales consultant, um, and you are very well read. Who are some of the other folks that you follow, blogs, authors, podcasts, things like that, that you can share? I'm a, I'm an omnivore. So I'm always looking for something here. Here's, I'll just tell you what my secret is. Uh, what I try to do is what I want for me that I want for you. So let me try to describe this for you. Um, I want somebody who has the expertise and the experience to show me something that I can't see. And that's the person that I'm looking for. Ken Wilbur, he's a spiritual guy. He can see things I can't see. Howard Bloom, who's a science writer. Uh, I can't see what he sees until he shows it to me. Uh, Morgan Housel, who just wrote another book after the psychology of money, and it's something about uh, the timeless things that don't change over time. Uh, that's a really good view of uh, thinking about how we are and how a lot of things change, but a lot of things don't change either. So I think that's uh, somebody I would do. And then there's um, there's a whole bunch of people that I care about. So uh, Taleb, who wrote the Black Swan, anything he he writes, I'm reading that. Um, I'm always just looking for somebody that's got a lens that's clearer than mine. And then what I try to do is show you uh, what I can see. So anything that I wrote in any of these books is what I can see that you might not have seen. And so that's basically what I try to do in my work. It's outstanding. And one person you didn't mention, but I'm sure you talk too often is your very good friend, Jeb Blunt. And it's my understanding that in uh, 2024, April, May, whenever it might be, uh, you're coming out with a brand new book called The AI Edge. Can you reveal anything about that exciting book? Um, our, our publishers went to both of us at different times. And I think she came to me first and she said, why haven't you written a book with Jeb Blunt? And I said, uh, I don't know. She said, well, I think you should. And she called Jeb. <laughs> And she said, why haven't you written? And uh, and then all of a sudden we were doing a book together. So we're most of the way done. Uh, it's a really good book. And uh, I took a lot of the uh, the heavy lifting on prompts. 
because I, I have a lot of prompts and I've spent a lot of times developing prompts. My prompts aren't probably like what other people's are because mine, uh, like I have one that I call edit and, uh, I have it edit everything without changing my text. Cause I wrote it. I don't need that to write it for me because you wouldn't recognize it as my writing if, uh, if GPT did it. So I make it do uh, punctuation, syntax, grammar, um, missing words. And then uh, I will have it um, take my H2s for blogs and give me a, a better um, H2. So I have a whole bunch of things like that. And I have a whole bunch of things for salespeople to use for research and how to do that. And I think it's going to be really important. You can't trust GPT. It, it is uh, the way that we describe this, Jack, is uh, it has a goal, not a soul. Like it, it doesn't know. It's just you give it the goal. It's going to try to give you that goal back and it will try to do that for you, even though it's wrong and even though it's lying and even though the data is not right. Um, for me, I started to use BARD a lot more because I can get the citations easier. And then I have to go look at the citation before I say anything, because it could be wrong. So I, I need to go out and see the real source. And so I have a lot of things like that in the book. This is about for us using AI to get back your time so that you can spend it with human beings. That That is what we're teaching. And May 2024, who knows, but that's kind of the projected date. Um, I'm going to have you back on when we talk about that. Um, I'll get this wrong, but I I want to say that every year for 13 years, you've written a blog every day. I, I may be wrong on the years, but I do know you do a blog every day. How can people find the blog? How can people get a hold of you? And y'all, you got to buy this book. It's fantastic. So how, how do we get a hold of you? And what's what? tell us about your blog. I started writing daily on December 28th, 2009. And with the exception of 13 days that I spent in Tibet, not knowing that they had really good internet because the Chinese, they're like, put the internet everywhere. So I was able to make a phone call from base camp on Mount Everest. That's how good they're there. But I didn't know that when I, when I left here, uh, this December 28th, which is coming up very soon, will be 14 years that I've written every day minus those th 13 days. And I, I wake up at four o'clock in the morning and I write 1000 words uh, every morning. And I will do that for the rest of my life. Uh, it's been, if you think that I'm thoughtful, it's because I spend so much time here putting something on here on the, the laptop or on the the blog. So the blog is at thesalesblog.com. And uh, that's a good place to find me. Uh, we do have a newsletter you can sign up for. And then uh, I would just also say LinkedIn is a really good place to connect with me too. Yeah, Those are the and, two places exactly. I like the best. Yeah, you're on a lot and, and it's outstanding. Well, thank you for your time, Anthony. This is this could be your best book. It's certainly the most unique book that you've written. And y'all have to get the, the negativity fast. Anthony, have a great 2024. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to this episode of Jack Rants with Modern Bankers with Anthony in Reno. Be sure to get a copy of The Negativity Fast. It's a great first book to read in 2024. 
This and every program is brought to you by our friends at Vertical IQ and RelPro. Join us next time for more special guests bringing you marketing, sales, and leadership insights, as well as ideas that will provide your bank or credit union that competitive edge you need to succeed in 2024. This LinkedIn Live show is also a podcast. Subscribe for the latest episodes of Jack Rants with Modern Bankers, and don't forget to leave us a review. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and iHeartRadio, among others. Visit our website too. It's themodernbanker.com for more information and really re sign up for our public library. It's themodernbanker.com slash public library. And in 2024, make today and every day a great client day.